Ephesians chapter 5. What makes, what makes for a good church service? Like after you leave church and you say, ah, that was, you know, that was good. Or even a good church. When you leave, you say, wow, I feel, I feel refreshed. I, I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel fed uh, spiritually. I feel close to the Lord, energized, ready for the week. And Ephesians, ready to, minister, ready to minister, you know, not just to get through the week, but ready to serve God through the week, right? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse uh, 25, the Bible says, uh, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a, that's a high calling for uh, us as husbands. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, talking about the church, with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we're talking about uh, a glorious church that the Lord wants to present to himself, and I would say that a glorious church is even better than a good church, right? I mean, imagine leaving uh, leaving a service and just saying, "I felt the glory of the Lord. I mean, His glory uh, filled my soul." You ever heard anything like that? You feel His presence and His glory. You see His presence. Well, He says here that there's a couple things that the church is going to be doing in in order to have this. Look at verse 24 of of chapter five. It says. Um, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. So, the first thing that uh, makes for a good church is that the church is subject to Christ. It, it, um, it's submitted to Christ. And it doesn't make the church any, any, any less. By being submitted, it makes it more. It makes it more glorious. It makes it a, a greater place when Jesus Christ is the what? He's the head of the church, right? He's also the foundation of the church. He's also the cornerstone of the church. In other words, He is our all in all. He is everything to us. The church, right? As the bridegroom of Christ, He is everything to us. So we, uh, we are subject and, 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 and come saying, Lord, Your will and your uh, pleasure, and, and your design, and your purpose, and instead of ours, right? I think sometimes the, the most, the way to get the most out of, out of worshiping and praising Him is to focus on Him and not ourselves. And we get the greatest benefit from it. He says that we are to be subject to Christ, but then also He says in verse 26 that He might... Uh, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. A, a, a good, gr- glorious church is one that's clean. It's one that's clean. It has, you know, what, what is it that breaks our fellowship with Christ? It's sin in our life, right? It's sin in our life that breaks the fellowship with Christ. So as we cleanse it, as we clean it out of our lives as individuals, right? Right? that makes for a, a good church corporately. 
Would you agree with that? That when we are quick to repent and tender-hearted toward the Lord to say, uh, hey, I've grieved the Spirit. I've lost my fellowship with the Lord. God, forgive me. Uh, draw me close to you. And how is this revealed to us? How is this shown to us? How are we, uh, what, what mirror do we look in to see what needs cleansed? It's the Word of God. The Word of God, just as Christ is the foundation and Christ is the head, the Word of God is everything. It's from the beginning to the end. It's our foundation. It's our compass. It's our guide. It's, it's our mirror to be able to see the things that God is trying to cleanse out of our lives. In, in Chronicles, in the context here of, of David and, and worship, and if there was anyone uh, throughout the Old Testament that knew how to worship God, it was David. He, he did it very well. He was quick to worship the Lord and, and, and quick to praise His name. In Chronicles, uh, 1 Chronicles 16.23, the Bible says, Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Would you agree with that? That our Lord is great. The things that He has done, He is great, and He is worthy of our praise. As we sing these songs to Him, as we uh, 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 direct our worship toward the Lord, as we direct our prayers to the Lord as we as we direct our focus toward the Lord he is worthy of that he is worthy of it he says in the same passage give unto the Lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come before him worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness coming into his presence and just feeling the uh, holiness and beauty of the Lord uh, clean, cleanse. As we prepare our hearts uh, to hear the Lord, I, I believe that um, you know Sunday morning we come to church to worship the Lord. Uh, there should be a preparation for it, right? A cleansing, a getting ready, saying, "I'm about to hear." I, I'm hoping to hear from the Lord. I believe that the the folks that get the most get the most. Out of out of uh, 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 preaching, out of uh, teaching of the Word of God, is those that maybe have been in the Word all week, seeking after the Lord all week, hungering and thirsting after the Lord. You know what that is? When we are when we are putting the Lord first, as He is the head, and we are hungering and thirsting after Him. That's a godly church. A godly church. It's, it's putting God's will before our own, which is a struggle throughout our life, isn't it? To put God's will before our own. You know, to hunger and to thirst, the Bible says that, to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 6, he says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And what? They shall be filled. Don't you want filled? We talked last week about being spirit-filled, uh, being filled spiritually. You know, you know the best way to, to be filled is have a strong desire for it. It's to have a strong desire for it. It is, you know, that is a, that's a pretty powerful desire, hunger, isn't it? 
if you think of it in spiritual terms, and then you think of it in our carnal terms, if you're if you're uh, thirsty, I was I was hiking one time and I uh, filled up a big jug of water like this with uh, ice, and got to the top of the mountain and it was dry and it was hot and I had a big chunk of ice but I had no water and every time I could see a drip down there, I would hold it up and uh, stick my tongue in there, you know? I just, just for that little, it's a terrible thing to be dying of thirst and have tons of ice right in front of you. You just can't get it melted fast enough. And you just want water. You just want water. And I, you know, at the top of a mountain like that, you'd give anything for a bottle of water. What if we were like that with the Lord? What if we were like that? That any little drip I can get, Lord, you got anything for me. If you want, if you got any word, if you if if your word could speak to me in any way, I'm I'm thirsting for it. I'm hungry for it. I'm 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 not satisfied with any of what the world has to offer right now. I would like to meet with you. I would like your presence. I would like your fellowship. It's though even though I ate yesterday morning, it's though I haven't eaten in a week. I'm starving, Lord. I'm thirsty. Could you imagine if we had an inside desire like that to seek the Lord? If we were, what would He do? You think He would meet with us? He would, wouldn't He? He says, seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, and there's a promise from our Lord Jesus Christ that says, and you shall be filled. Now think of this in the context that in your own Individual life, the Lord's going to fill you. But could you imagine if there was a, and, and I believe it's here, I'm not saying anything against it, but could you imagine if there was a corporate, even a small group like this, where everybody is coming just, I want something from the Lord. I want something from God. I want His Word. I want, I want Him to speak to us. I want Him to meet with us. Can you imagine how wonderful church would be if everyone was just focused on Him and Him speaking to us? Seeking after Him and worshiping Him and praising Him. Wouldn't you say that would be a godly church? A godly church willing at any point to surrender our own will toward Him? Us coming after the Lord like that pleases the Lord. A, a church, a church should, one of their greatest desires should be to be pleasing to the Lord. Is what I'm doing, is what I do, is what I, or what we doing, it should be a question that we ask each other and even our own heart. Is this, is God, God, are you pleased? Are you pleased? Are you pleased? And even in our daily walk. But the wonderful thing I find about the Lord is He is not hard to please. We have a little child, baby, Finn back there, or Troy. It doesn't take them to do too much to please us, right? Even a little face or something, you know? All the Lord's wanting maybe from us is a little face, you know, saying, I believe you, Lord. I trust you. I want to surrender my own will to you, Lord. And I believe, I believe that that would please you. And what greater place to be than a place where people are wanting to please the Lord and the Lord is pleased. It's a godly church. We are called even in this time and in this day and in this generation to be godly. He says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. 
teaching us. This is what, <laughs> this is what uh, grace teaches us. We have grace to live holy. We have grace. God's given us grace to be able not to just do what we want, not grace to have our own self-will, but grace to draw close to Him and please Him. He says, teaching us that denying, we, we deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. You know what? Sometimes preaching can be too much, uh, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and we need that. I'm not not. But do you know why we, de- why we deny ungodliness and worldly lust? Do you know why we deny it? It's because we're hungering and thirsting for the Lord. We want Him so much more. We want His, His presence and His peace and His joy so much more. That to deny what displeases Him, deny what even brings us harm would make it much easier. He says, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Have you heard anyone lately say, oh, the world today, you know, it's getting bad, it's different, it's not like it was. Well, I believe that this was written in such a way that it doesn't matter when we live. In this present time, in this present day, we can be godly. Seek after God and put Him first. Psalms 42.1 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O Lord. Seeking and hungering after Him. That's a godly church. You know what else makes a glorious church? Is a giving church. A giving church. You say, oh, is this... You're talking about money? I'm not talking about money. But giving is a big part of our Christian faith. You're open to Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and what? Gave Himself for it. You know what the Lord has done for us? He has given Himself for us, therefore, you know what we do? We give ourselves to Him. Right? I believe that that's what's meant at salvation, that we are giving ourselves to the Lord. Hey, can we really call Him Lord and have control of our own life? We're surrendering our lives to Him. We're giving of our lives to Him. In Corinthians, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. We'll go back to Ephesians. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church here and he's talking about giving in a couple passages uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. But he says, he says in, in you're turning to 2 Corinthians 8, but he says in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, uh, For the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. He says, Every man according as it is purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Now he is talking about money here. But when you turn back, to get the whole context and where he began to talk about this, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, and this they did, not as we hoped, but look at this, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's the heart of the matter, is us giving our own selves, giving of ourselves 
to the Lord. Now, picture this. A church, a group of people that have come together and they have given up themselves and they have given themselves to the Lord. Picture that. How wonderful. The fellowship of the people that have just given themselves. My life, Lord, I've put it in your hands. I'm surrendering to you. I'm, I'm, I'm open to your leading. I'm open to your direction. I'm open to your will. I'm submitted to it. And God, I have given my life to you. I've given myself to you. There is a spirit that comes with, with giving, a giver, Right? You, you can feel it in someone's home or even in a church. If the church is giving, it's a, it's, there's liberty there. It's almost like a, a free, a freeness, right? But then when there's, when there's selfishness, right, even in a home or in a church, there's a tightness, isn't there? There's a, there's a, a feel. Think, of, think of it in your own personal life. The people that have, you know, givers affect people positively. If you think in your own life, the people that have helped you or blessed you the most, you know what they were? It was someone that gave, right? Someone that gave into your life. Someone that invested into your life. Their own, their own time, their own whatever. They helped you, right? And, and we look at that and say, wow, that's part of ministering. That's part of the ministry. When we become one with Christ at salvation, this is pictured throughout the Bible, um, actually, marriage is a picture of what happens in salvation. Christ and the, the believer. When, we, when, when, when two people get married, I think I've used this example here before, the, what, what is the, the wife's becomes the husband's, right? And what is the husband's becomes the wife's. You believe that, right? They become one flesh, the Bible says. Well, the same is true, the same is true in our walk with Christ. What is ours, we have surrendered to Christ. But the good news is, what is Christ's? He has given to us. And we would, we would be foolish to hold on to what we have as though it's ours when He has given, when he's given so much more to us. We are the, the, the ones that made out the best on this deal. He, he, he says in uh, John 14, that he's prepared a mansion for us. I mean, we got heaven. He says that in the, in the future, he's going to show his exceeding kindness and riches toward us. It seems so much easier than to surrender our life and give of our life to the Lord when we realize that he has given so much to us. Another mark of a glorious church is a church that is a going church. A going church. He does say to his disciples, go ye. Right? Go ye in all the world. Now, I'm happy that you're, you came. <laughs> I'm happy that you came. I'm happy that you're here. It makes church a whole lot better with people. Right? But it's not just coming to church that makes a good church. Matter of fact, if that's all we did, it would get, after a while, we would become just too focused on ourselves. It, it, it would turn out to not be what the Lord had in mind. The church is here as, as ambassadors. The church is here as light in the world. We are here to go out and to begin to recognize our own 
our own lives as ministries, as service to the Lord. This ties directly in with giving, right? Because your time is precious. Uh, your your focus, your what you uh, put your uh, energy into, all these things are precious. But listen, if we're not a church that is going out and reaching the lost for Jesus Christ through love, through grace, through the word of truth, through preaching, through witnessing, if we're not focused on that, if we're not affecting people around us with the power of Jesus Christ that I believe that we if we start thinking that church is only coming and not what we do when we leave we'll miss it because it's what we do when we leave and how we can minister outside that is going to change the world and affect the world and that's what we are to do And if we are doing these things, there's no doubt that we'll be a growing church. Back to Ephesians chapter 2, a growing church. Now, when we're talking spiritually uh, speaking, when we're talking about a church, growth is not just in people, it's not just in numbers, although it is. It's it's in each individual growing. Right, a good church, uh, a good church service is when we uh, leave and say, "Man, I, I feel like I, 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 I grew closer to the Lord. I think I grew in grace. I think I'm able to forgive. I think I let go of bitterness. I think I'm growing in Christ. I think I'm taking on His characteristics more. As individuals, we need to not just be focused on, hey, we want to grow. Lord willing, God helping us, we're going to build it." building over on the land in 73. Then we're going to fill it. Right? But we got but, but we, but we to grow ourselves as individuals. The growth that we're looking for is not just people. It's, it's in ourselves. And by that, God will prepare us for the growth that He brings us. A growing church. Look at Ephesians chapter... You know what growth, uh, and it shows, it shows life, right? When you can look back in your life, just in your recent past, and say, "I've grown." You know what that is? That shows the signs of life. Ephesians chapter two and verse twenty-one. He says, "In whom all the building." Christ, he's putting together a a church, a building, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. You know what the Lord's doing? He's framing. He's He's putting the pieces together to build up a church. He's framing up a church. And you know who he's using to do it? Us. He's putting us together. And when he frames us together, you know what happens? It grows. In construction, I, 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 I like to see the framing stage. You know why? Because in the framing stage, at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty easy to look back and see what was completed. Things are getting done. Things are, a building is going up. 
something's being accomplished, right? God's putting things together. He's putting people together to what? Help each other. And they're different. The people that God puts together for this building are so different. Why? Because we're different members of the same body. And He wouldn't put all, all the same piece he wouldn't put all a hand in a body, right? He wouldn't put all an eye. He wouldn't put all the ears. Look at, just hold your finger there and skip over quickly to verse 16 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. Verse 16 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. He says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase. That's growth, right? Increase of the body under the edifying of itself. That's a rich verse. You know what he's saying? Hey, each part of the body is joined together to help the body. You say, this person is different than me, so different than me here in church. Yeah, they might be the part that just is what you need someday to help you. Right? To edify you, to help build up yourself. Why? Because God puts us together to serve each other and to serve Him. Back to Ephesians 2, look at verse 22. He says, In whom, so he's, he's framed the body together, it begins to grow. In whom you also are building together, why or what for? For an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now this is a, amazing that God has put us together... Why? So that He can inhabit us. Now that, that just that makes it that makes church glorious, isn't it? You know what makes you, you know what makes church glorious is that He is there. That's the glory. So if we if we seek Him and we hunger and thirst after Him and we're we're put together ready and and ready and, and, and longing for Him and He meets with us, nothing else matters. Really, no program, no idea or scheme of man, no, no method. We, it can all go out the window when His Spirit meets with us and feeds us spiritually and, and helps us. He's put us together, what, for His habitation? And it's not about this building. It's not. It's not about a building. And, and, and help, help your earthly... Uh, carnal mind to remember that he, he's not in a building where is he he's in the believer he says know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and so when we come together in his name framed together for the purpose of worship he inhabits it he inhabits the praise of the saints that's what's beyond One last passage in closing. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 and begin with me in verse 16. When God is there, when God is with us, we will be a godly church, a giving, going, growing, glorious church when He is with us. In Ephesians 3 and verse 16, the Bible says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the what? Inner man. 
You know what we're focusing on this morning? You know what we want to... <coughs> we spend all week focusing on the outside, don't we? Taking care of the immediate physical needs, right? Don't we? I mean, it starts right first thing. All day, we got to take care of the outside. But for just a while, we want to, we want to focus on the inner man, the inside, not trying to affect the outside right now. We're not talking about the outside. We're talking about the inner man that needs strengthening. He says, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love. You know what the Bible says? Charity, which is love in action, or love doing its duty, charity never faileth. When we love each other, when we love the Lord, that's, that's some pretty good uh, roots. That's some pretty good grounding. He says, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You want to be filled with God's fullness? Try and understand how much He loves you. Try and understand his, the depth of His love toward us. It's deep. It'll fill us. And you know what it'll cause us to do? It'll cause us to love Him more. It'll cause us to love each other. It'll cause the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts, as he talked about, which will change our life. I mean, it'll just change our life. He says in verse 20, Now, unto him, who's him? Our head, our foundation, our cornerstone, our all in all, Christ. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know how many of your prayers this week have been, Lord, just get me through it. Lord, just get me by. Just get me to, just get me to Friday. Please. But you know what? He says, he says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's refreshing. That he can do far more than what we've even imagined. I have not seen or ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. He says... Now to him that is able to do... Can he do anything? Can he do anything? I hope, I hope, no matter where God takes us and what he does with us in the years to come, that we would never, ever lose the childlike faith that God can do anything. He says, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Man. He's got power and it's at work in us. Verse 21, unto him, who? The head, the foundation, the cornerstone, the all in all. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages without end. Amen. Amen. You know what makes a glorious church? 
this way. He's here. And he shows up, and the church reciprocates by giving him praise and glory for him showing up and being there. And it's wonderful. And it's simple, and it's what he has for us. 